0: Coming to you from the Center for Social Confidence in Portland, Oregon. Welcome to Shrink for the Shy Guy, helping men everywhere go from social anxiety to social domination. With your host, Dr. Aziz. Hey, welcome to today's episode of the show. Are you pumped? Hopefully, you're pumped. Hopefully, you're excited about listening to this on a Wednesday morning or wherever you're listening to this. And whenever you're listening to this, I'm excited to be with you. And whether this is the first time that you're listening to this show or you've been with us for all whatever many episodes, 50 plus that we've done, I am excited to be with you. I get more and more excited as this show goes on because uh, it just keeps getting better. I love interacting with you. Go to facebook.com slash shrinkfortheshyguy to uh, like that page and join in. Um, Also go to shrinkfortheshyguy.com to get all the show notes, uh, links that we talk about in the show any videos that I reference or everything's posted there. And you can also contact me through there to ask me your questions and I can answer them in upcoming episodes. Today, we're going to be picking back up with the second half of my interview with Steve Chandler, one of the world's premier coaches, uh, has been doing it for decades and just really understands how to help people radically move forward in their lives get out of their own way, move forward faster. And today in the interview, we're diving into this idea of getting outside your comfort zone, which is something you're probably familiar with if you listen to any of these shows or, or come across my, my work online or elsewhere. But there's a distinction that Steve offers today that was really profound for me, which he calls one inch outside your comfort zone. And I think when you learn this, uh, A, you're gonna feel a lot of relief and, and then B, you're gonna feel a lot of hopefulness and be inspired about what's possible for you one step at a time. So without further ado, let's jump back into that guest expert interview with Steve Chandler, one of the uh, world's top coaches, and grab a sheet of paper, get ready to take some notes, and prepare to learn some powerful stuff to help you get to the next level in your life. Here we go.
1: Expert
0: interview. But it, but it but it's so safe in that cage. It's so it's so safe. Like, uh, what, what would you say to someone who, uh, maybe not consciously, but sort of unconsciously, there's there is that desire to remain uh, safe in the moment. I mean, I've been fascinated by this um, as I've been studying it more and more in myself and others, and I, I've been calling it the safety police, where there's this yeah. whole you know variety of voices that, that we will have uh, whether it's telling us that something really bad is gonna happen out there or that um, uh, sort of d- dismisses us as a, a sort of cynical mockery of our of our desire to do something different or just the straight up you know kind of uh, the policeman that sort of, sort of just beats you down, tells you that you you suck and you're not good enough. So it's all these these elaborate ways that we stay in that that little safe zone and then so courage as we're describing it, is just the action. It's it's not a state. It's not a who you are. It's just uh, the action you can take, the act of courage. And so yeah, how does yeah. someone, um, you know, there's that moment, there's that precipice where they, they want to take the act of courage and then there's these, vo- you know, the, oh, you can't do that. You suck. And all that stuff's getting built up inside of them. How do they just... Take the plunge. How, how would you guide someone through
2: that? Well, um, just a little time. Just so it's such a small step that it doesn't take a great amount of courage. Mm. So um, that's how to do it, and keep and keep increasing that, so you're not scaring yourself to death, and you're not you're not not doing it because you're so afraid. The the state I really want is not is not courage so much as um, fearlessness. So, if somebody says, um, do you have the courage to eat a potato chip? I say, well, no, it doesn't take, I don't have to call on courage to eat a potato chip. I just eat a potato chip. It doesn't, I am fearless doing that because I don't feel a threat. Now, um, maybe I should say a grape because some people would, the uh, nutrition police would tell you that there might be a threat to eating a potato chip. But, the so, so what I really want is fearlessness at more than profound repeated acts of courage i want I want a fearless state, so something that used to take a little bit of courage if I do it enough times, no longer does so it took courage, let's say, to get in the water when I was learning to swim or jump into the deep end uh but it no longer does I look forward to it. Is I jumping in the deep end on a hot day there's I'm in a fearless state um, take a book from the shelf how much courage does that take nothing it's you're fearless when you do it mm. so fearlessness has nothing to do with courage it's just this wonderful state of um, this is an I do this in a very naturally feeling way it feels natural so for example right now for me talking to a group. I gave a talk to 2,000 people in a arts center and um, it didn't take courage to walk out on the stage, but in the past it did. But now I've done it so many times. I've tested the universe to realize that there's no threat to me in doing this. And because there's no threat, there's no call for courage. And it's just fearless. I feel a little excitement. I feel butterflies in my tummy, but they're not fear. Mm. They are excitement. Excite, excited butterflies. Same kind of things I feel when Jennifer Lopez knocks at my front door.
0: <laughs> is, that a, is that a common occurrence? <laughs> no, no, no. It
1: doesn't happen that often.
0: Um, but I love that. What you're saying is that the it, it takes courage until we do it enough to where it, it doesn't. And it's just that massive repetition and that conditioning. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, too. I often encourage people that I'm working with, it's like, well, if I, if I go do blank, whatever it is, some social thing, then bad stuff's going to happen, they're going to reject me, prediction after prediction. And it's like, well, let's just go test it out and see. And then when they do, they find that, you're right, there is no real threat. Even a, quote, yes. negative outcome of a person saying no to them uh, becomes something that they can uh, handle, and no longer becomes this uh, painfully tragic event. So I think that repetition is such an um, important piece of yes. that fearless state.
2: Absolutely true. I agree, and and I don't even use the word massive anymore. Although you're you're accurate, um, I use the word gentle rep- repetition. Mm. Because sometimes with a client, when you say massive repetition, they think, oh, I'm going to have to do this for 10 years. Or oh, I'm going to have to do this 100 times a day. And, and then that's intimidating. The repetition becomes... I, so I want to take all the intimidation out of anything I want to do. I want to I eliminate it any way I can. Because I really want to be doing this thing. That's really my objective. Mm-hmm. I had to do a Sing in a concert I was for charity and i and i don't sing for a living, and it's not my profession and um, i've done it years ago in the past in bars, but it, I would wait until people were drunk enough in the bar for me to step <laughs> up to the microphone and sing and uh but by my rehearsal was just general repetition, my rehearsal i'd sing in front of a few small groups of people as I was rehearsing for this large concert and um and by the time I got to the concert it was really easy there there wasn't there wasn't fear at all cuz I snuck up on it and I was willing to do tiny versions of it small gentle repetition mm. micro versions if you have a talk to give same thing if you're not used to speaking if you if you rehearse, the more you rehearse the talk, the less afraid you are in front of the room.
0: Absolutely, and that's something that I, if it's a bigger talk, I, I still do a lot of repetition because I think I'm in the phase you're describing where I've done it a lot, uh, and it still takes courage. It's like a mixture of excitement and and fear. It yeah. no longer uh, stops me. It's sort of like a like a curtain where you can just push right through it, but it, I I do realize that, oh, I haven't done enough repetition for it to be uh, totally fearless. But I, I like that idea of gentle repetition. It's It's got such a, um, as you said, it takes all the pressure, all the fear, all the charge out of it.
2: Yes. Sounds absolutely. like I'm stepping into can, a bath. And it gives you that sense. <laughs> Anybody can do that. Yeah. You don't have to be a certain courageous person to do that. You can be a fearful person, and do some general repetition of something that's only an inch outside your comfort zone.
0: And so what about this? I'm curious, because sometimes I've seen people, uh, and I used to do this a lot with my in my own head, where I would do something. I would take an act of courage, take a small step. And, you know, for the most part, it would probably objectively, if you could observe it from the outside, have gone well. And yet, there's that tendency in people to kind of focus on how it didn't go as well as they wanted. And, oh, those people in the back of the room weren't as interested in my talk. And there's this tendency to kind of snatch, you know, uh, victory from the, or snatch defeat from the jaws of victory and really, you know, uh, sort of soil the whole thing. What what are your thoughts on how to manage that pattern? We're going to pause for just one quick moment right now, take a break and jump back into the interview with Steve right after this. Have you ever been stuck in limbo? You know, That awkward situation where there are several groups of people talking around you and you aren't part of any of them? You want to jump in, but you're not sure how to do it or what to say. So you slink into the corner, grab a drink at the bar, and pretend to look busy on your cell phone. Tired of this less than optimal strategy? Get yourself a copy of the Confidence Code today and discover how to dominate in any group situation, casually join into existing groups and even enjoy being the center of attention. Go to yourconfidencecode.com now to get
2: started. Well, one one thing I want to start observing with my clients and myself is that this this thing, these disappointments, these self-judgments, these failures are are human things that happen to absolutely everybody and it's not it's not about me. So if I give a talk that falls flat or people get bored or somebody leaves the room while I'm talking, that that happens to everybody. That's a human experience. That's, that's humanity itself experiencing itself. It is not me. It's not just like this is happening. I'm the target of this situation. It's not true. And the more I see that this is a universal occurrence, the more I can be okay with it and say, how would I like to make it better? What kind of talk would I give that nobody would leave? And, uh, and so it's good feedback to me. It's just um, something I can build on, something I can learn from. And I like to use the phrase game film, that when you have something that goes wrong, let's say you uh, make a proposal to somebody, um, a sales proposal, and they say no and you start to interpret it as rejection or judgment of you and all that, um, I want to I change the context of what just happened and say, what's good about this? What if I viewed it as a learning experience? What can I learn from this? How can I build on what occurred? How could I, if I could roll back time, go on a time machine, would I have done this any differently? And um, what do I need to improve on here? And failures give you wonderful feedback. When you when a when a team, the ladies' softball team at the university watches game film of the last game they played, and they see that uh, certain situations they were out of position. In certain situations, this was happening. Um, the pitcher sees that she was telegraphing when she was going to throw a fastball. And, uh, and and this is wonderful because, wow, I, I see the corrections I need to make. I see the adjustments I need to make. And when we win big or, or when people approve of us, we feel just euphoria and we celebrate and we get higher than a kite. And then we begin to doubt whether it's really real or whether it's going to last. So it's not as useful to us to to have a success. So, so I want to start looking for the gold, looking for the um, the real value. When he started Microsoft, Bill Gates used to say, um, we built our company on customer complaints, that we took every complaint really, really seriously, and we studied it, and we had meetings about it, and we adjusted what what we were creating as a product based on these complaints based on people who hated us or who who thought our product was terrible hmm. we used that to create a great company now he's got 50 billion dollars in in personal wealth and you and I could live on half of that <laughs>
0: Yeah, it would certainly last me at least twenty years. to have <laughs> that Twenty-five billion, and but what I love about that is—is is it again what you're describing? W- when we have an experience and it doesn't go the way we want it to, and we label it as bad or even worse, I label myself as bad. Then again, it, it fixes it and it makes it some permanent deficit rather than yeah. What you're you're the way you're talking about it is it brings it back into the realm of action. Oh, what actions? Yeah. Did I take? Yes, what yes. actions could I take next yeah, time? Yeah. And then you have it's so much... It's not about you.
2: See, that's the thing. When I start labeling myself or making this be about me, that's when, I, that's when I get in trouble. That's when my self-esteem goes down. That's when I take fewer actions now. I take myself out of the game of life. And uh, I, become, I become a concept freak. And everything is conceptual. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I like
0: that term, <laughs> a concept freak. And so what what I like is, what, what I hear you're saying, and it's a, a reoccurring theme in our conversation, is that you know, if there's something you want to do out there, uh, just come up with a series of actions that would get you there, starting very small, and then proceed to take those actions. Exactly. I mean, it seems so simple, and yet we have so many ways. In fact, I wanted to get your thoughts on this. I, I notice sometimes I'll be working with someone and they'll have a, a big vision of something they want to do. I want to create this type of business, um, but I, I don't have the capital for it and I don't know where I would get it and I don't know where the clientele would come from. And then they basically just stall out because it's like, well, maybe I'll wait a few years and then I'll, and then I'll be able to start. And so what about, let's say someone's got a big vision, they want to create this certain kind of company um, or invent something, but it's you know they need venture capital it's it's just this big far off dream how how to bring that into the realm of action now
2: yeah and and there's a solution to that. go get the venture capital, go get it. what do you need? What do you need to have this happen how what are you doing that's keeping this from happening mm. um and so, oh, I would need venture capital. Great. Let's create an action plan for that. Let's go get some. Hmm. See, see, people try to, they, they have a negative imaginary future that's created out of all these disempowering thoughts about what's not possible. I could do that. I would need that. I don't have enough money to do this. I don't have this. Go get the money. I don't know who to ask um make a list of who to ask see if if somebody really really wants to do something they're doing it they're not coming to you and giving you this big vision that they can't do mm. that that's a person who whose intention is to tell you a big vision of something they can't do so it's like infantile complaining about the universe. It's like, mommy, I want to, I want to be a cowboy, but I can't because we live in New York. It's <laughs> it's like, um, well, honey, someday, maybe you can maybe someday move to Arizona. And it, it is, it is actually, when, when you bring someone a big vision and then you bring your complaints of how you can't execute that vision because you don't have the things you need, you're like a child. You want to be a child, and you want that person to comfort you. You don't want that vision to be a reality.
1: Mm. Mm.
0: Yeah, and, and then the interesting question is, I love that you say, what are you doing that's getting in the way of that? And it really brings yeah. it back into the realm of uh, of choice, of being at a, a cause in life rather than an effect. And that's something that you, I've learned a lot from you about, and you, you teach really well, is that distinction between being an owner in your life versus sort of being a victim at uh, the mercy yeah. of, of the world around you. And when it comes to this idea of um, general social confidence, being able to interact with people with confidence, uh, take you know uh, action in the world, uh, what's maybe share just briefly how someone could identify if they're being in more of that victim stance and then how they can shift it to more of that owner being a cause in the world
2: well um for me it took it took it took time i i worked with my coach and he would call me out when i when i started selling myself victim stories and selling the world on my victim stories about how powerless i was how how i had lack of resources how I didn't know the right people. How I didn't know how to do certain things. These are all victim stories, um, and they they're designed to keep people out of the game, in the stands or on the sidelines, or on the injury cart going back into the locker room. And you know, when 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 you're ready to play, you're you're just going to play. You're going to get out there on the field and play when you're ready to. And so, the the first step in in seeing that I can I can be playful and I can experiment and I can um, I can go out into the world and and ask the world for what I want the is to play with it to dance with it and experiment with it and be willing to do that and also be willing to get help to do that be willing to talk to people who've done it and then figure out and then do what they did so so it's it's moving into a more active role in my destiny and instead of a passive role where I'm fascinated with who my personality and who I am and what my limitations are.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, and there's something in um, one of your books I was reading, I think it's Reinvent Yourself, where um, you see someone doing something that you want to be able to do, and, and a really common thought, and I used to, to do this all the time in my head when I was really stuck in shyness was uh, you see someone doing something, being very confident, and you think, oh, man, look at them. I am so different than that. I can't do anything yeah. like that. And and I love in your book, you say, well, when you notice that stuff, just start saying to yourself, I can do that. Yeah, yes. I could I could do that. And then I love the idea of actually, um, when I learned this, maybe um, the first mentor I had was um, sort of accidental. We ended up being uh, in the same workplace environment with a lot of downtime and he was maybe 15 years uh, older than I was, and it was amazing how much you can learn from someone's experience if they're open and willing to share and you're willing to ask for that um, guidance and receive it. And then ever since then, I was hooked, where I was like, wow, you can find someone who's done what you want to do and talk to them, and then you can do
1: it.
2: Yeah, absolutely true. Yeah, and and I used to do that too. I'd see people, I could never do that. Wow, look at that. Isn't that amazing? That's so unlike me. And um, that's not really what those people are here for. Those people are to show you what's possible. They're not to ha- intimidate you and make you think you're, you're from a different species than they are. <laughs> they're, they're, here, they're here to show us what humans can do. These people that we say, wow, when we see. So I can do that or at least my version of it or move closer to that. So I watch somebody sing on The Voice, and they do this amazing performance. And I think, Oh, that inspires me. I want to to learn that song. I want to sing that way. Instead of, oh, wow, look at the talent that guy's got. Oh, my gosh. Hmm. I can't sing a lick myself. That's how most people do it. They just—they compare themselves. They shake their heads. That's why none of us are artists anymore, because in class there were a few kids who could really draw, and the teacher, oh look, look at Julie, she's such a good artist, and oh Steve, good try. What is that? A dog? No, that's a table. <laughs> oh, and uh, and then I I compare myself to Julie and I say I'm not a good artist. I can't draw. Mm. And somebody else stands up and sings, "Oh, that's what good singing is. I guess I'm not a singer, mm. and all the things I thought I was get eliminated by when I compare myself to other people pretty soon. I'm nobody i'm I'm a loser mm. I mm. don't look like a movie star. I don't sing like a rock star. I don't play football like a pro football player. I'm a loser, and that's the absolute opposite and wrong way to um to interact with these people who do inspiring things.
0: Yeah, it's so interesting as you said that it gave me a flashback back to uh high school and uh, one of my best friends, Chris was uh very athletic and he was an amazing artist. He do a lot of gra- uh, pencil art with with graphite and it was uh phenomenal and I I have distinct memories of like Sitting there at home or in the shower, just thinking about people in my class and just going through the roster and comparing myself to each person,
1: yeah, and being yeah. like,
0: I'm not as you know, Chris is better at drawing, and Adam's uh-huh. better at this, and this guy's got better clothes, and you know, I'm not as good at anything as that person is at at say drawing, and and I yeah. was my conclusion it's like, well, I'm a loser. Okay, time to get out of the shower and go <laughs> s- seize the day, and and but the thing is, is as you were talking, I realized, you know, how many hours a day at that age whatever 15 16 years old chris spent drawing i mean he would yeah draw. right right
2: right you, yeah you don't know that he yeah would draw that's behind throughout the class
0: i mean he was constantly you know drawing in his notes uh he yeah, would be drawing yeah. at home i mean he spent hours a day yeah. doing that and it's like i totally uh that was invisible to me at the at that age and yes. now that sort of myth has been dispelled the sort of the, the talent is overrated idea and there's a lot of more recent books that, that show this that it's just it's just a matter of putting in that time
2: yep it is
0: that's exciting so one one other question I'm curious and we might have touched on it but I want to make sure there's not any uh, missing uh, components but let's say someone is listening and they're just like yeah I want to build lasting confidence in myself I don't want to just have a moment of euphoria when everything goes my way, but I want to create a deep sense of confidence in myself. I want to look at the world and say, yes, okay, I can do those things. I'm going to create what I want. I want to be, a, be a, an owner in my life. Uh, what lasting, any uh, tip or suggestion that you have, uh, it could be something you've already shared in our conversation or something different, but what would be a, a, a guidance for that person?
2: Well, um, the guidance would be to allow yourself to be inspired and allow yourself to be um, back in the mindset when you were younger and, and and you had great curiosity about life and life was exciting and you loved life and, and everything was possible. And, and come from that approach. And it's not that hard to get back there. Just allow yourself to... Relax and get back there and, and then do small experiments and, it, it, and find a good teacher, find a good coach, find a good... Ha- so if you really want to have um, amazing radical change in, your, in how you live life, how you see life, you'll have someone help you. It's mm-hmm. just like if you want to learn how to play tennis and be a great tennis player, you're going to have coaches. If you want to have a great life, you're going to have a coach. And, and, and maybe you can't afford a coach like Aziz or me, but maybe you can read a book or watch some YouTubes of some of the great coaches. So that, that's another way to get coached. I coached myself through books many, for a long time until I, I could afford real coaches. So that, that would be what I would tell people.
0: That's that's phenomenal advice and I I've been a- applying that similarly starting with uh, sort of uh, mentorship and and a lot of reading and then as I've been able to generate uh more income to then immediately reinvest that into the next level of coaching because I've seen just how rapidly it can accelerate progress and yeah. sort of compressing something that you know you can learn a decade of someone's experience over a handful of conversations with them, and then apply That's that. That's right. And it's um, it's pretty remarkable. And I feel like we've just uh, only scratched the surface of of what you can offer. But thank you so much for uh, sharing your, your your insights and what you've uh, learned from your own experience, from your own uh, failures. And oh, there's one last question I want to ask you, if if you have a moment. Um, and I'm so I've been so curious about this that, and I want to see if I can relate it to this topic. Which is, um, I know uh, it mentions in in some uh, the about section you and your website that you studied um, language and you you were in the military and you and you studied psychological warfare for uh, for a a number of years. And um, I'm going to see if I can try to relate this to confidence. But any, uh, what's one interesting? I think that whole area is so fascinating. But you know, what's one interesting thing you learned about people? or uh, about confidence or just about that that's helped inform you in your life from some of those studies?
2: Yeah, well, in psychological warfare, um, the main lesson I learned there is that the, the way we think and the language we use to think with and to communicate with has a profound effect on our, our whole biological system. It's the same thing that's been discovered in medicine and um, pharmaceuticals with placebo effect that if a doctor tells you I'm going to give you a pill and and it it has a chance of really helping you with your um, breathing problems and this is just a placebo. The very fact that the doctor used those words can affect your whole biological system. Mm. And um, it's been proven over and over. So, if I start to to turn, for example, if I have if I have a problem, and I convert it and I start to refer to it as a project instead of a problem, and I look at this and it's the um, debt repayment project I've got going on. It. It takes on a different nature, takes on a different context with me. And so it's easier to jump into it. When I send somebody an action plan for being trained or coached, it's easier for me to send it and easier for them to get into it and want to do it than if I send them a proposal because a proposal – suggests that I'm trying to get paid money by them. I am proposing this and if you fall for it or agree with it you'll send me money. But if I send you an action plan this is my action plan for you and your life and your people they they read it in a different way. Mm -hmm. And all I've done is change the word.
1: Mm.
2: So that's the primary thing I learned in psychological warfare is that you could send words and messages to people that changed how they saw things, changed how they changed their whole belief systems around things. And that was the message, that was the lesson I learned there. So it that became a, a big theme of mine in my earlier books was um, keep upgrading the language you use when you talk to yourself and others
1: hmm.
2: about what's going on. Hmm. And um, it'll, cha- it'll change the nature of what's going on
0: absolutely from something as simple from yeah problem to project or problem to challenge yeah. and uh, it's it's amazing how that that orients our whole attitude towards it our our body uh towards it and even little s- subtle things like I, you know if someone says i have social anxiety i will kind of uh, will explore it and and help them see that well in that moment you were doing social anxiety yeah and in just that uh, subtle shift in a word uh, all of a sudden doors start to open up left and right
2: yeah and i want in that that particular person i want to say well all human beings have social anxiety so what's your problem
1: <laughs>
2: yeah <laughs> well mine is severe oh okay then I'm, then let's see if i can help you
1: mm.
0: Yeah, mine is mine is more severe than everyone else's, and that therefore I'm significant.
2: Yeah, <laughs> but that's yeah. a whole
0: other. Interesting... But social
2: anxiety it comes with being, with trying to socialize and fit in. Of course, there's social anxiety. Hmm. So let's not label it as some profound disorder. Let's let let's work with it as let's let's relax it. Hmm. Let's get the. Let's stop demonizing it and making it a profound disorder, and let's let's work let's see it as an opportunity to relate to people in a more relaxed way.
1: Mm.
0: absolutely. I, I love that that phrasing, because that's really what it's about is being able to relate to people in a more relaxed way, in a more open way,
2: and yes, just being absolutely more
0: comfortable in who you are and sharing that
2: and remove the threat from the situation.
1: Yeah.
2: Hmm. It's all in my mind.
0: Absolutely. And there's a uh, you know, there's so many more different angles we could go down, but I'm going to uh wrap up given our time for today, but thank you so much for joining us uh for the for the interview and um if people want to I know you have a lot of ways that people can learn from you. What would be the best place for someone to start if they wanted to uh, learn about your books or listen to some of your audios or learn about some of your trainings and speaking? Where could they do that?
2: Well, we've got lots of um, free audios, ebooks, and things. So people, I, I recommend they not spend any money on me, but uh, go to the website. And tell me you listen to the show with Aziz, and, w- and we will send you access to audios and e-books that do that won't cost you anything. Oh,
0: fantastic. And what we'll do is uh, I'll have a link to your, your website uh, below Great. Uh, the post of this podcast so people can just uh, click that and reach out to you. And thank you again so much for, for coming on, Steve.
2: You're quite welcome, Aziz, and thank you for the work you do in the world. Oh,
0: appreciate that
2: hmm Bye-bye.
0: That brings us to all the time that we have together. We need to wrap up. But before we go, can't go anywhere without taking all this conceptual stuff and doing what with it? That's right, turning it into action because that's where the transformation occurs. You don't want to be, as Steve said, a concept freak where you just listen to it and say, "Ah, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Those are good ideas. No, we want to turn those ideas into action because that's what's going to change Your life, how you feel about yourself, what you're capable of, your confidence, the results you get, your finances, your career, your relationships, everything only changes when we take that action. So that brings us to your action step. Time for action. Today's action step is simple, is to go one inch outside your comfort zone one inch what's one little so don't look at the big thing i gotta make 50 cold calls today or i gotta storm into my office in a different way and talk to 50 people or i gotta walk up to that person that i'm really attracted to and just you know make magic happen no that's too much that's too scary we get overwhelmed we get discouraged we stop apply what steve is sharing and just go one small inch what would that be for you just think about that. It's one inch outside of your comfort zone, a little thing. What would be 5% more confident for you today? Just 5%. Would you greet maybe a few people in your office as you walked in? Nothing big, just a quick hi. Would you make eye contact with more people when you walk down the street? Would you have that conversation with someone that you've been avoiding having the conversation with? Again, if it's 100% outside your comfort zone, if it's too much, don't do it. Hold off on that. Just find that one inch. You know what it is as I'm talking. I'm pretty sure you do. And if you don't, keep thinking, keep digging. You'll find it. Don't let your uh, mind say, well, I don't know, nothing. I can't think of anything, so I guess I won't do it. Look, that's not going to help you change your life. If you really want to take this, these concepts, these words that you're hearing right now and convert it, transmute it into powerful, life-changing experience that's gonna bring you more of what you want in your life, more joy, more confidence, more fulfillment, more income, more love, whatever you want that's only gonna come from getting outside your comfort zone and start by going just one inch. So I look forward to hearing how it goes. Please share. Go to facebook.com slash shrinkfortheshyguy. Share your experiences. Love to hear about those. And until we speak again... May you have the courage to be who you are and to know that you're awesome. Thanks for listening to Shrink for the Shy Guy with Dr. Aziz. If you know anyone who can benefit from what you've just heard, please let them know and send them a link to shrinkfortheshyguy.com. For free blogs, ebooks, and training videos related to overcoming shyness, and increasing confidence, go to socialconfidencecenter.com.